Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. A couple weeks ago, we, we had a great message, if I do say so. You can check it out online. But it was, it was about... A, it was about understanding that we are sons, and as sons, we are heirs with the kingdom of God. So when we talk about the Lord's inheritance, it's our inheritance, because we're sons and we're co-heirs with Christ. This is a mind-boggling amazingness. Amen? Amen. But today, I want to look at the concept of being a slave of Christ. And this is good news, I promise, I promise. But I also want to look at this in light of Money. Everyone's ready to get up and leave. I can see it on your... Worship was great, but that pastor's out of control. <laughs> Listen, slavery and money, Jesus tied them together, right? In, Ma- in, in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, you can't be a slave to money and be a slave to Christ. You're either going to hate the one and love the other or love the one and hate the other, all right? So hopefully we're not talking about these things in, in, in the light that you think, but... We have to understand when, when we're talking about slavery, there's a lot of obviously culture and history and terrible things that have come in. When we say that word slave, bad connotations come up. All right? But the Bible uses it about us. When the Bible talks about us as slaves to righteousness, slaves to sin, the concept is more of a bondman. Uh, somebody, let me tell you what that is. So a bondman is somebody who says, I am declaring an eternal, unbreakable bond to your interests no matter what till the day I die. Okay, this is what a bondman is. I will serve your interests, the interests of your kingdom, at my expense, at the expense of my kingdom. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come and let me just serve you. And it's a willing thing. Right? So when, when the Bible's talking about us slaves, it's not that Jesus chains us up and chains us to the cross and drags us around and has us do his biddings. No, it's a voluntary bondman saying, I'm so in that I, I lay my life down. I'm a bondman to you. Not a forced slavery. This, and this message isn't about now let's tithe to the church and give money to the church, although please do that. You can do that online or click the QR code in the back of your chair. That's not what this is about. Today's message, when I'm talking about slavery and I'm talking about money, I'm talking about the gospel, I'm talking about staying in the game, investing your life, investing your resources, being bound to Jesus Christ and his kingdom until the day you die or the day he comes back. And I want to preface this by saying this, not the day you think it's all going to come to an end, No, 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 you keep running after investing, going all into the kingdom, investing all into the kingdom until he comes back. I know we've got an election this week, and some of us get scared and a little afraid that the end's all going to come this week, and it's all over. Yours isn't to know the day or the hour. You don't know. Yours is to be a bondman and a servant to the kingdom and go all in with Jesus until the day he does come back. Not until the day you get scared and think, oh, I better hedge my bets now and go hide somewhere. That's nonsense. That's getting out of the game. 
That, that, that's looking after my kingdom and my interests and my resources, and I want my kingdom to be secure. I've spent all my life securing my kingdom. And Jesus is like, that's not the kingdom that matters right now. It's my kingdom come. All right, so we're going to do this for fun. We're going uh, to read the, a parable that Jesus told. And in order to do that, I want to put us in context. The, the parable starts uh, a little further down, and, uh, but we want to start at the beginning. I want to read you verse 1 through 10, because sometimes when we miss the context of where Jesus tells these parables, we lose just a little bit of the richness and the depth of, of the parable. So we're going to be talking about a parable, but I want to set it up, and I warn you in advance this won't be a smooth transition day, all right? I'm going to read a verse or two, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to, we're going to dissect and just dive in a little bit. So I'm not going to read the whole thing straight away. We'll get it all, but bear with me. You'll have to put your big kid ears on so you can listen like adults, all right? So pay attention. This is really good, I promise you. So here we go. Jesus is heading to Jericho, and this is in Luke chapter 19. We're going to start with verse 1 and go right on through 26. But verse chapter 19, verse 1, Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, all right? I added the emphasis. Press pause. Here's where we're going to stop for a second. I have to remind you, most of you understand this. We've said it over and over. Tax collectors were the scum of the earth back then. They're, they're our favorite people now. But back then, they were, they were much more the scum of the earth because their job was not only to collect what you owed Rome, what you owed the government, they had to live on whatever else they could collect from you. So here's, they are the modern-day telecommercials, and they're, like, and they're like, you can get a dingley bob for $19.99. And you're like, whoa, $19.99. I hit the $25 at Walmart. $19.99 plus $20 shipping and handling. Whoa, whoa, 20, I didn't catch that last part. It's so small on the screen. $20, the $20 shipping and handling is what the tax collector gets. And he's like, and if you act now, $19.99, you get two dingly bobs. Just pay the extra shipping and handling, $20. So here we go. You've got, you've got Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. He's selling you two dingly bobs for $20 plus $40 shipping and handling. You get, a, you get that taste. This is what the tax collectors had to do. And he was good at it. He was rich, right? So clearly, he knew how to leverage it. You're like, oh, I can't pay Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I can't pay. I don't have the resources right now. I promise you I'll have it next week. He's like, okay, I totally get it. I feel for you. You can pay next Friday just an extra $20 shipping and handling. And I'll get it to Rome for you. And this was what he had to do. This is, what he, and this is why he was despised. Uh, this is why the, it, Matthew... One of the disciples was also a tax collector. He would have run in the same circles as Zacchaeus. If he would have gone to the tax collector conference, Zacchaeus would have likely been the chief, uh, the keynote speaker for that conference because he was good at it and he was the chief tax collector. So here we go. Understand, he was good at what he did. He was the chief tax collector and he was rich. And this is the context of where, what, what the story's happening here. So here we go. He, we're talking about Zacchaeus now, we're back into the scripture, was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was a short man. <laughs> Sorry. Short people are great. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. 
When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. See, Zacchaeus, he was trying to see out who Jesus was, right? Jesus was famous to some and infamous to others, but most people all knew about him. Zacchaeus wanted to find out who this guy was. He welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man, that infomercial guy. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has to come to seek and save what is lost. Everybody look up here. Zacchaeus didn't enter into the kingdom because he gave away his money. If, you, if that's what you read into this story, you're missing the context. He came into the kingdom because he laid down his slavery to the money. And he's like, I don't, I'm all in with you, Jesus. I believe in you. you are, everything. I don't care. If, if I've wronged anyone, I'll give four times back. I don't care about that anymore. I care about you. I know you're the Messiah. I'm all in. So is Jesus going to ask you to give up all your money? I don't know. Are you a slave to it? Right? We, we, we are a slave to whatever's mastered us, and those are the things that the Lord says, you need to let go of that, because you can't be divided with two masters here. And Zacchaeus, obviously, money was his thing, and so he laid it down and entered the kingdom. Okay, and this is the context of the parable. Here, here we got Jesus, his disciples, they've entered into Jericho, and, and uh, Zacchaeus, they go to the chief tax collector's house, the, the notorious sinner, and they're sitting, lounging, eating at his table, and Jesus let, says, I have a story for you guys. And he begins this parable in Zacchaeus' house. And this is the, the context, and the, this is the core of what we want to talk about today. So it says this, we're continuing on, as they were listening to this, he went on to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. Therefore he said, A nobleman traveled to a far country to receive for himself the authority to become king and then return. And I'm going to pause there. This is not an American concept of, of, of kingdoms coming and all of that, but this is, what, this is the concept here. This nobleman in the story that Jesus is telling, as a nobleman, he had, he had the right to rule anyway. He was the nobleman. But he went to the headquarters, let's say Rome, or in our case, might be Washington, D.C., to guarantee and grant that authority and bring it back. So he says, here, I'm, I'm the ruler here. This is what the nobleman's doing in the story. Okay? So then he calls his ten slaves, is what the scripture says. And here's where we get uncomfortable. Some of your versions don't say slaves. They might say uh, bond servants or something. But I, I, want, I want us to re-understand this word slavery here. It's not like he went and grabbed them and put them on a boat and chained them up. This isn't what he's talking about. These are bond servants. These are people who have said to the nobleman, I will give my life to be, in your, to be in your service. I will look after your interests at the expense of mine. I will lay my life down for you. And this is who the nobleman calls to himself. Those people who have said to him, I'm going to live in your house. I'm going to, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to serve you for the, till the day I die. I am bound to you. This is what a, this word slave means, this bond servant. I am bound to you till the day I die. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Nobleman, right? My fate is entangled and entwined in your fate. And so I'll give my life to that. This is what 
you have to understand when, we're, when we call, talk about these bondmen, these slaves. So we, the nobleman calls them together, and he gives them 10 minas, $10 million. No, he gives them 10 minas and told them, engage in business until I come. Now, mina, I, I, I believe Jesus did this specifically here. Because this word mina, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, they, they say talents. Talents, minas. These are measurements. You can have a mina of gold, you can have a mina of silver, but specifically here, Jesus is being ambiguous. He's like, I'm giving you 10 measures. In fact, our American culture, well, English-speaking culture, the word talent, did you know it never had, that, it never had the connotation it did? The word talent, uh, it meant a measure, but we've so bought in, the word talent comes from the Bible. We've so bought into Jesus' parable here that we tell each, we, we call shows, America's got talent. What is that? America's got measures. Measures of what? Measures of singing, dancing, acting, joking, whatever it is. America's got minus, we've got measures. And so we've equated this, rightfully so, to whatever it is that you are gifted with, that's the, a measure that you've been gifted with. Don't fool yourself. I mean, you may have worked hard for it, but you were given this measure. And so when I tell somebody, well, you're so talented, I'm really giving God a compliment, not you. Honestly, no, I'm complimenting your ability to take that mina and actually work hard at it and refine it and, get, and, and work with the Lord in it. But when I tell somebody they're talented, I'm blown away because I couldn't do that. I wasn't given that measure. So I believe Jesus was specifically being a little ambiguous about exactly what it was. I mean, obviously we're implying that it's a money situation here. He's asking them to engage in business until he returns. Why is he, why is he trusting him like this? Because you're my bondservants. You've told me that you will lay your life down for my kingdom, not yours. I'm going to go get the authority and I'll be back. Here's my minus. Here's the measures I'm giving you. Our fates are entwined. I trust you. So here we go. So he gave to them uh, t 10 minas and he told them, engage in business until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to rule over us. I'm going to press pause again. We have different players in the story here. And I've, I think I've read this the wrong way a lot of times. We've got bond servants and slaves. And we've got citizens. We've got people that are in the country. They're not the same. These people that happen to be in the country, they don't want the king to rule over them. Why? because they're really interested in their own kingdom to come. They're interested in their interests. They want to build what they want, what they have, and so these are the, these are the subjects of the kingdom. And I want to say this. This is, the, this is the parallel here. Just because your parents were saved and Christians and, and bond servants to the Lord doesn't make you one. But I was raised in church. I went to church every Christmas and every Easter. I'm a Christian. Are you? Have you gone all in? Have you laid your life down to Jesus? Or are you just by proxy living a life in the kingdom? Here's how you know. Are you more concerned about your kingdom and your assets and your end game than the end game of the kingdom of God? Because a true bondservant lays his life down to see the kingdom of God. Someone who's just a citizen of the country, I want to make sure I get what's coming to me before it's all said and done. I want my kingdom to come. So my question is, are we subjects of the kingdom or are we bondmen to the kingdom 
Are we sold out to investing in God's kingdom and his interests at our own expense? The citizens are like, I have the right, serve me. I don't, want this guy to, I don't want this guy to rule over me. He wants to build his kingdom. Let's send a group of people ahead of him and say we don't want him. This is where we're at in this story. I know it's a hard concept for us Americans to think about. Okay, at his return, we're back into the scripture. Having received the authority to be king, yay, he got the authority, he got the stamp of approval. Having received that authority, and yeah, you're excited about it unless you're just one of the subjects who sent people ahead. Now you're really scared. Because not only did you not want him, he's the king now, whether you like it or not. He summoned those slaves that he had given money to so we could find out how much they made in business. The verse came forward and said, Master, your mina has earned 10 more minas. Well done, good and faithful servant. Excuse me. Well done, good slave, he told him. Because you have been faithful in very small matter, I uh, have, you have authority over 10 towns. The second one came and said, Master, your mina has made five more minas. So he said to him, you will be over five towns. Okay, one more aside here. So Jesus gives them the 10 measures. Excuse me, the king, the nobleman in the story, gives them the 10 measures. He comes back and they're like, look, I've, the 10 measures that you gave me, I invested them, I did this, I did this, and I've earned 10 more. And Jesus the nobleman doesn't say, awesome, here's more money. Here's more measures. What is the gift he gives him? This is really important, and I think it's escaped most of us in church. What is the gift for the faithful servant? Here's authority. Kingdom authority. Over 10 towns. Authority. It's not more money. It's not more measures. It's the authority to exercise the king authority. What is the guy with five? He gets, he gets to be over, above authority over five towns. What does your faithfulness in the measures you're given give you? Does it just See, a lot of us want God to be the slot machine. Well, I've tithed my whole life, and so I should have a lot of more money. Well, take the tithe aside. We talk about all the measures. America's got talent. Whatcom New Life's got talent. We've got measures. And what you do with your measure how faithful you are in the measure, it directly results in authority in the kingdom. You want to see the kingdom of God come? You want to see Ferndale, Linden, Whatcom County change and transform into the image of God? It's, it, 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 you, you will be starting to walk in that authority if you're faithful with the measures you're given. And not faithful to exercise your authority in your kingdom, but his kingdom, Lord. Whose kingdom have we have you, have I spent my life building? Whose resources are they? See, Jesus died and he rose again. And what did he say? He's like, listen, guys, I got it all back. I've been given the authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I've been given the authority. I'm giving it to you. If you're faithful with the measure, this authority will fl flow through you. You will see cultures change. You will see nations change. You will see families change when you begin to be faithful in the measures and the talents that you've been given. But let's get back to this third bondman. 
So this third guy came, the one he, he was given one talent, he was given one measure. And the other came and said, Master, here is your mina. I have kept it hidden away in a cloth because I was afraid of you, for you're a tough man. You collect what you didn't deposit and reap what you didn't sow. He told him, I will judge you by what you have said, you evil slave. If you knew I was a tough man, collecting what I didn't deposit and reaping what I didn't sow, why didn't you put my money in the bank? And when I returned, I would have collected it with interest. So he said to those standing there, take the mana, oh, excuse me, mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. But they all said to him, no fair. Because they were millennials. <laughs> like me. Right? This is our concept. He already had ten. And this guy only had one. No wonder he didn't invest it. You didn't trust him as much. But this is what he said. Give it to the man who has ten minas. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. And from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. You need to just think about this for a second. The one who doesn't have, he's just talking about the guy who actually had something. And he told him he didn't have it. Watch this. But bring here these enemies of mine who did not want me to rule over them and slaughter them in my presence. There's a nice, happy scripture for you. I want to submit something to you here. This man, the one with the one mina, the one, the one who got, who, in the end, the king took his mina away and gave it to the guy who had 10. What on earth went on here? I want to submit to you that he was listening to the wrong people. That this bondservant who had come to the king, who come to the nobleman and said, I'm all in. I lay my life down to you. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. When the king went away, he had his one mina, his one portion, his one talent, and he started listening to the other people, the citizens of the town. We don't want this guy. He's an ogre. This guy only wants his own interest. And he's like, maybe he's right. But I'm not ready to jump in with you guys. I, but I want to hedge my bets. Let me just bury this and hide it. And if he comes back, I'll be good to go. And if he doesn't, I'm still good to go. Folks, what did this guy do? He simply hedged his bets. He took the portion. And he's like, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to use it. I'm going to go over here. because I, I think the king's coming back. I think he'll do it, but I don't know. These townspeople got a different story to tell. And he listened to the wrong, because the king isn't a hard person. He's not a terrible migrant. He's not a terrible uh, monger. In, in wanting to, he is interested in his kingdom, but our kingdom. I believe he listened to a lie. And I just want to say, if we live our life hedging our bets every, everywhere we go, at the end of the day, we got nothing. We've had nothing, even though it was given to us to have. Whose kingdom have you been building? Your own or the kingdom of God? Jesus says, anyone, this is, we hate these kind of, these kind of phrases. Anyone who has will be given more. This is the big no fair in scripture. Anyone who has will be given more. And anyone who doesn't have, even what they do have is going to get taken from them. That's just the big no fair. But do you have time? It doesn't matter, I've got you here. One more Greek word study, humor me. One more word study here. 
He's, Jesus says this, anyone who has, more will be given. I want to look at this word has. It seems like a simple, simple word. Anyone who has, more will be given. The Greek word for has is the word echo, echo, echo. Anyone who has, 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 more will be given. This word echo in the Greek means to hold to it. To have and to hold. Just like marriage. What is it saying? Anyone who lays them, and I'm binding myself to the kingdom, no matter what, your will be done till death do us part. Anyone who has. So I can be given something and, I'm not, I can't, and I cannot have it. If I haven't said, yes, everything, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your kingdom come. I lay my life down at your feet. I want to echo the kingdom. And maybe it's a stretch to use that echo phrase, but we are called to be the light of the world. But how do we be the light of the world? We reflect the light of Jesus. We echo, echo. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I'm bringing the kingdom. I am a bondservant to the kingdom, not my own thoughts, not my own will, not my own trust fund, not my own. I'm not hedging these things. I'm, I'm walking in faith wherever God's called me, and I'm echoing the kingdom. Because I'm bound to it. I have it. I'm going to hold till death do us part. I'm going to be closely joined to, like a bondman. It's the same thing. He's saying this. Anyone who is a true slave, a true bondman to the kingdom, even what he, what he has, more will be given to him because he's held to it. He said, no, till death do us part, I have you, God. Anyone who's married to the kingdom and is echoing the kingdom and is closely joined to the kingdom... Anyone who has said, my life is intimately entwined, my fate is intimately entwined in your kingdom, God. Your will be done, not mine. Where you go, I go. Where I st you stay, I stay. It's not saying anyone who has a bunch of cash, more cash will be given to them. Anyone who has talent, measures, it's whoever's faithful with those things. And what, what will be given? The authority to walk in the kingdom. To see the kingdom come. To walk wherever you go. You see, this, this is not a message that we all quit our jobs and be pastors and missionaries employed to do that. Like, I, the, the most dangerous thing you can think is that you need to quit your job and become a pastor unless the Lord is calling you to it. Because some of you would do a lousy job at it. It's the truth. Because if you're not called to it, we, just because you, you, like, yes, we should all feel an intimate passion that I am called. But what are you called to? This is what the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in. I'm telling you, some of the most effective, powerful men and women of God on our planet are not paid to do ministry. Amen. He said that too loud, Zeb. <laughs> I'm kidding. I met, I met this week uh, with a mortgage broker. And before I was done with that, that meeting, this guy had prophesied over me, he'd prayed over me, he'd imparted wisdom into me, and he brought the kingdom of God with him. Because like his, that's his talent. That's the measure he was given. If he quit that and tried to do my job, I mean, I don't know. Here's the thing. When you 
do in faith what God has measured unto you, you, bring, you can't help but bring the kingdom. The authority follows you. You're going to find people coming into the kingdom because you are just being faithful with the measure and the talent that you've been given, walking in that, and you will see the increase of the kingdom because the king comes back and says, wow, because you've been faithful with five talents. Here, five authorities over these two cities. This, this is what we're talking about. This is the kingdom. What measure have you been given? That's the, that's the thing. You've got to find that out in faith. And then you're not scared to take a step because you're praying and you're like, Lord, I don't want to do this without you, but I, I believe, I think this is what you're asking me to do, so I'm going to step in faith. Guess what? You're, you're, just, you're just saturating that thing in faith because you've given it to the Lord. You're stepping in faith, and the authority of the kingdom is going to follow you there. And if you've made the wrong step, you've done it in faith, and he doesn't say, you terrible evil slave. He says, wow, way to go. You were faithful. Now let's go over here where you're really supposed to be. This is the kingdom authority. Whose kingdom have we been building? Whose kingdom have you been building? I, uh, I've been, I was re reading this book. It's an autobiography. It's not an autobiography, just a biography. But uh, they quote a speech by Theodore Roosevelt that I want to share with you. Because when I read it, I was like, whoa, and it just really blessed me. And it really, I think it has, has a lot to do with where we're at. This was written by Theodore Roosevelt. It's a speech he, he, he did called Citizens of the Republic. His goal was to get the American people to engage and be part of the, the, the country, work toward the common good, and not just be on the sidelines making everybody else, and, and, right? Now, we understand we have a kingdom that's far better than any kingdom of this earth. But in context here, this is what he's, this is what he's saying. It's not, this is the quote by, by Roosevelt, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where, where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows the end of the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory or defeat. I realize this isn't a scripture. But if I take my talent and I'm going to hedge my bets, at best, I'm the person who's on the side of the sideline saying, you should have put it, given the ball to Marshawn. <laughs> right? All of our Seahawks fans. This is, this, the Lord hasn't asked you to be a spectator in this game called the building the kingdom. He's called you to be a son an heir, a slave, a bondservant to the kingdom. Because if you are so intimately entwined, and I know that it's, my, it's his kingdom, not mine. This is what matters. I will not hedge my bets. I'm not going to freak out if the world goes to pot. I am going to walk in the authority of the kingdom. I'll be faithful with every measure given to me. And he who's been faithful with the measure will be given more. And those who are hedging their bets, just hoping their kingdom doesn't collapse come Wednesday. Even what they have will be taken from them. You can't take it with you. you you're not going to bring whatever pile of resources you've accumulated with you. 
You're not going to take your talents. You're going to take whatever you've built in the kingdom comes with you. Whatever you've built for the glory of the Lord and unto him. Are we in the ring or are we hedging our bets? We have a great God to spend our life in, in worthy cause with.